Ding, ding, dewey, act, cholo! Three, two, two one, one. Let's, let's go! go! <laughs> uh, right. Sir, thank you so much for, for joining me on this show. Again, I'm your host of the PB Podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, sitting down with Swapping Sahu. We got to cover so many different things, but I first want to start out with uh, thanking our sponsors, Trunkline. They make these legendary oil field horizontal drilling socks. You can get a pair of these uh, supporting independence, energy independence uh, in America. And then, of course, Impact Exploration Geological Services. They have a lab. They do geosteering, mud logging. Reach out to them if you're drilling wells and you want to get help, uh, you know, identifying a target, de-risking that and making sure that you are setting your completions and frack stages properly. They have a whole team that allows you to do that. Uh, swapping, I'm going to pull up LinkedIn just for a second because I'm going to read your bio from LinkedIn. Sure. And Go then what? It. Then it, it's going to get real good from here. But uh, okay. tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. Just a quick high level. You know who is Swapping Sahu? I tell myself I'm a general geologist. Seriously, <laughs> it was it was faster than LinkedIn could load right now <laughs> because. I think general geologist matters because I don't want to tag myself in this generation that, oh, I'm a sedimentologist, oh, I'm a structural geologist, oh, I'm a, I only look into metals. I don't think I do that. I, I try to integrate all of these things together. And honestly, fundamentally, I still browse through my Geology 101 books to look into cartoons. So I'm a general geologist, seriously. All right. I love it. All right. I just pulled up your uh, your LinkedIn. Here we go. The, the, some of the high-level stuff, lithium exploration, metals, hydrocarbon exploration, climate change, sedimentology, digging resource rocks, biochemistry, associate. But look editor. at, but read the small uh, little uh, snippet that I have out myself. I think that's going to be interesting. I'm a geologist who likes to work on earth system sciences over geologic time scale. In that journey, last 20 years, I have been lucky to be an exploration geoscientist with petroleum system roles in the energy industry and found hydrocarbon, but importantly, ran into several brilliant minds across the world and had the opportunity to learn from them as well as study rocks from 3.5 billion years to present day. My motivation is underpinned by a desire to continue to develop my technical and business skills to make the right decisions. In the world where net zero and energy transition are important issues, I plan to continue to leverage my background in multidisciplinary integrated ge geology and expand my experience by working on these questions to further strengthen my skills, both technically and intellectually. It was an honor to share this time with you, Swapping. Same here. It was. I really, really enjoyed listening to you and feeling your passion across this table and in the, into these microphones. I want to bring up a couple of things. I used to do this back in the day. I called it uh, uh, quotes and quips, quotes and quips. So I'm going to read a couple, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to read one and I'm going to get your, your take on this one. So Nelson Mandela said, the greatest glory in living lies, uh, the greatest glory in living lies not in never failing, but in rising every time we fall. Okay. What's your thoughts on that? I think he's right. We need to fall. We need to fail to really rise from there. Every time you rise, it's a fresh mind. Like I, when I lost everything in Tulane, I felt like, and I'm lost. <sighs> I have, I have, you know, ro not rose. What's the right grammar? I've 
got up from that ditch. You know, there were some little political things in Northwestern. I was devastated. I rose yeah. up from that ditch. Yeah. Right. So it's every time, you know, if you don't fail, you don't appreciate. You don't fall. You don't know, you know, what's the bottom of the barrel. Then you have to come out of it. Yeah. I Jeez. totally agree with him. Like, seriously. Wow. Okay, here's another one. Let's do uh, let's do Franklin D. Roosevelt. He says, "When you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on." Very cool. Very <laughs> very important. I can I kind of like uh, relate to a similar comment somebody told me when I was very young that uh, don't try to reach the peak. Mm. Try to reach the plateau. Mm. Because after the peak, you might fall, but if there is a plateau, you keep going, mm. right? So, like, like, you know, similarly, like, you know, tie a knot and hang on. Don't try to, like, you know, because it's not the end of the journey. The journey is still going to be man, going love on. That. Love that. Okay, uh, man, I feel like I, you should be reading these or picking one. Let's see. All right, here's Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. In the end. It's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. Mm, okay. Abraham Lincoln. That's powerful. Yeah. I I had a I think I had a good life and ups and downs, you know, isn't isn't that something people say there is an if within life? Uh-huh. Right? There's an L I F E. There's an if within <clears throat> life. Ah. So if there is no if and buts and wrongs and rights then what's life? Mm. You know, so uh, it's, it's just a journey. I think it's end of the day. It's a journey. Yeah, a journey of persistence and consistency. Right? You got to have both persistence and perseverance. I will say perseverance. perseverance is a key. Whatever you do, and right, and always like respect. I think respect. Yes, it's to me, it's very important. And I probably didn't appreciate how much respect means to everybody. Like in, in Equinor, respect and you know, all of these things are very important. And it made me appreciate you know, other things. Even my personally, I have appreciated some things that I didn't appreciate before. Hmm. You know, like people's values, people's, you know, people's contributions, people's uh, everything. You know, yeah. Everything you go through, it's respectful. And I'm, the fact that, you know, think about it. Like we, I drove from Houston. I have a car. I just, you invited me, I came, we are sitting here, we have a glass, we have a light, we have power. That's privilege, isn't yeah. it? We, are, we, are, we should be lucky and we should appreciate that we have this life. Yeah. Right? Every small thing should be appreciated. The, the moment we stop appreciating, like family is different, but I'm saying in, in general, like, the moment we stop appreciating, there will be chaos. <laughs> And it like back to your saying, like let's bridge the gap between you know human ground and you know industry yeah. ground. The more we appreciate, the more we respect, we will get to that right. that bridging that gap and yeah. you know break the walls. Man, love that. Love that. Um, so back to yeah, I'm 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 wrapping my mind around what you were just saying and all that wisdom that it was packed in there and being consistent with respect. But being persistent with life, um, when you're you're you have nowhere to go, you can't go home. You got to You just got to keep going, though, and that's that persistence. And you showed that after Katrina. Um, you showed, I think, what 
what uh, would be a great example of what persistent means. It's just moving, just going, just doing, just getting up and going and keep, you know, moving. Very, you know, thank you. But, you know, I, but at the end of the day, I didn't forget that, you know, today I'm nobody, but still maybe I have, you know, some little people like you know me or some people know me, but just not forget, like I didn't came here to this stage alone. So mm-hmm. we all should not forget like where we come from. Why not go back and help the community however you can. Take a little bit of time. If you cannot do anything, at least, you know, let's just do financially. Let's just donate yeah. some institution that somebody can be benefited. Not everybody mm-hmm. has the capacity to uh, contribute scientifically or, sure. you know, give time for a paper or research. Oh, no, but at least like contribute something. Don't forget where you come from. I think that sh- people should not forget. Last one. This one's Marilyn Monroe. You know okay. Marilyn Monroe, of right? I know. A little like, frisky. Yes. Right? On the riding the line here a little bit. <laughs> is this going to be inspirational? I'm not sure what she's going to say, but this is what she said. Keep smiling because life is a beautiful thing and there's so much to smile about. So just a positive attitude. Very positive. Right? Positive yeah. attitude. Uh, I can give you a, a couple of days ago, my, uh, like I said, my mom is here. And yeah. uh, I think I personally think I try to be positive. Of course, some people yeah, you might, have, might have other opinions. If you ask my <laughs> wife, I'm sure she will have a different opinion. <laughs> jokes, jokes apart. But um, I, uh, I had, a, you know, uh, in December, there was a winter freeze in Houston. A lot of plants die every year. Now this has become a common thing. Like yeah. for two days... There is a freeze and every plant dies. Yeah. So, you know, I had one little coffee plant-ish looking, like nice hibiscus looking leaves. And, you know, it's a dead. It's absolutely dead. Damn it. Right? I kept it. Oh, really? In the hope that um, it will come up. It will come. One little sprout comes up. Maybe, maybe. I will wait until February if there is warm summer. I will march. If by May doesn't come up, it is absolutely dead. Yeah. But that little hope or yeah. that little like, you know, optimism, right? That mindset has probably taken me to who I am today. Mm. And last mm. week, it sprout. Yeah. Now we have green leaves uh, in the plant, right? So my patience or perseveration of to wait and to be optimistic. And now we have a smile. Look. The plant is there. Anybody will be like, ah, it's dead. Just throw it. You know, yeah. put some new new plant. It's all frozen. It's all gone. Yeah. There is life in there. So, and again, you know, some people have really came into my life to hand that little, you know, hold that little hand. Yeah. So everybody needs that care sometimes. And if you notice it, somebody is struggling, help and be courageous and if I have to end something, my name means dreams, right? Mm-hmm. And I am a big time dreamer, seriously, <laughs> seriously. And uh, as much as people think that, you know, that field of dreams, you know, you dream it or you build it, people will come. Yeah. And there's a famous scientist in India who was also the president of India for a while, uh, Dr. Abdul Kalam. He was like a you know, space research scientist. I think he also used to say, like, if you don't dream it, it's not going to happen. Wow. 
So I am a big believer of my own dreams. And even if it doesn't happen, at least I know I tried. Hmm. Right? At least that is good enough. But people should dream to make a difference and be happy. Wow. And smile. And smile. Yeah. Man. Yeah, this show is really, really cool. I mean, obviously learning more about your technical background, your story, uh, that was that always mean a lot to me. And like, I, I got a lot from it. And, and I know you more, which is always good. And we got to do it over microphones, which is kind of weird, maybe. But it was cool. Now it's yeah, captured. Sure. Yeah. Right. And we have this, yeah. we have this, uh, meeting that we got to do and, 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 but you're, what you've done in industry and bridging this, this gap between industry and academia through your publication and through your work and through this hard, what would seem to be a, a really a sacrifice of your time, um, to make this happen. COVID helped. COVID helped it. Yeah. That was a strange, helpful event <laughs> yes. in your case. Uh, I just find it, you know, very fascinating that uh, we're still in a time where we can do this. We're still in a time where we're we're optimistic about this, where we are bridging this gap between when what we're learning, right? Where we we pay to learn and be taught by teachers and professors in order to get a better career or a striving career, right? And you're you're still today saying industry can do. A a much better job at bridging that gap and making that connection successful yeah. for many, many minds to come for many yes. more years to come years, generations to come. Yeah. yeah. And that's exciting. Yeah. And everybody, whoever is listening should be inspired that there is no such thing in my opinion called industry or academia. Science is science. It is science. So focus on the good science. Everything else will follow. What is what are you waiting for? Christmas? <laughs> you know? Like Santa will come and like lift up. No, just do science. Why tag yourself into academia or uh, industry? Yeah. They're all doing science. So let's do that. Simple. With more than 35 years of experience in the industry, Impact Exploration Services has you covered for all your mud logging, geosteering, and geoscience service needs. Impact Exploration Services covers every basin in the lower 48 and can customize the services to your needs. Impact Exploration Services sets the professional standard. And the next time you have problems to solve and questions to answer, think Impact Exploration Services. This episode is brought to you by Trunkline. You probably know Trunkline as the company that makes the legendary oil field horizontal drilling socks. And it's true, our drill baby drill socks featuring a heel to toe wellbore are 100% American made and are designed right in the heart of the oil and gas industry. But did you know that Trunkline is also a revolutionary digital marketing tool that can transform the way you advertise your oil field services? You can showcase your company's project track record on Trunkline and our automated platform will boost your exposure through social media, email marketing, SEO, and more. Now, whenever one of your new customers asks you, can you show me an example of your work? You can simply turn them to your Trunkline portfolio. It's more effective than a brochure, it's less expensive than sponsoring a whole other golf course, and easier than maintaining your website. Join more than 200 service companies on Trunkline by signing up at register.trunkline.com today. Let's go. Ah, cheers, Swapin. Cheers. Let's have some fun.
Uh, let's start at the beginning, the conception of the PBE podcast with Swapping Sahu. And the conception part of the show, man, is is getting to know your story and really just letting you explain who you are, where you're from, your experiences from being in India to traversing and being now at Equinor in Houston. You know, like that's the story and the focus we I want to know everything about you, but like that's the main focus of the conception part of the show. Please tell us your story. I really don't know where to start, but I will try. Uh, but before that, thanks for inviting. And it's a pleasure. I know you from before, but it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so where to start? So, yes, I am from India, from a small town originally, where that's a perspective. Electricity came there in 2004. And I came to U.S. in 2004. So after I came to U.S., that December, Christmas time, I heard that um, my, my grandparents, that's where I kind of come from, they had power, right? Huh. So it's like really, you know, strange. Like, like we talk about energy transition today, we had a different problem 20 years ago, right? That then we have a different problem today. Back in that time, energy transition means having a light bulb in your room. Today we are talking about electric vehicles. So it's yeah. a different life that we have seen but I come from very small family and um, I uh, my mom worked all her life and uh, you know single woman because my father passed away like 1989 she were really really small kids wow and she really worked hard to raise us where we are today wow and um, so Long story short, like people, uh, you know, back in the days, if you're not a doctor or an engineer, like you, I don't think you are anything back in, uh, in you know, early 2000s, uh, like uh, career wise, people will be thinking that you are done. Right? Wow. It's so like doing what though? Like doing things just like handy stuff around the town? Like no, like, you know, it's, you know, the perception was like, there is no future if you're in a general line. The general line means like you are doing a undergraduate then a graduate then a phd then a that somehow didn't look very lucrative uh, so there was a i think there was a lot of like push towards engineers and doctors but not like emphasizing uh, careers in uh, regular uh, you know science or you know arts just a cultural thing at the time hmm. uh, quite sad actually in a way but um i personally wanted to be a doctor is that right yes, it was very right i was very um, you know keen on being a doctor but um, i lost a friend very close friend right in that time period and uh, i kind of got lost in my you know my life and so i end up one of my uh, one of my very close friend of my mom uh, her cousin or nephew whatever i don't remember used to work in the you know like a geological survey of india Oh, nice. And she knew me from childhood and my mom's colleague and friend. And she told me like, you know, why don't you just, you know, uh, submit a form in geology. Uh, and I think you will like it because it's like natural. Because I used to like nature, catch fish, you know, sure. uh, attention to some details. I was a little weird kid. Uh, but like rocks and minerals? Did you pick up rocks and I didn't minerals? pick up rocks and minerals because where I'm from, there was no rocks and minerals. What do you mean? It was just desert, like no, just... no, no. It's just like you know, deltaic plain. It's like Calcutta. I'm from Calcutta. 
and it's basically you know kilometers of deltaic sediments there is no rocks and minerals <laughs> but you know i'm interested in uh, you know snails or this or that anything that matters like flies i really wanted to be a botanist when i my second option was to be a botanist nice that's, that's good well the yeah. plants come from the rocks so there's so a connection there there's connection there right who knew <laughs> but at the same time i loved maths i loved science so that's why um, you know once she said that maybe apply for geology um, I like geography for yeah. sure, but then I, I I I started studying geology, and the first year they took us to a field trip, and uh, and I loved it because it nice. was like rocks. It's like oh, this is amazing! Like this is what I want to do. And I still remember that, that you know in India time has no mercy. If you don't become a doctor or engineer right after you go to like after the high school, like mm-hmm. you when you go to college, if you don't do then, then it's like never. Right? It's not that in here you can go back to school when you are like 50 years old. There is nothing like that in India because it's so much people, competition. Nobody can really go to school when they are 50 years old. I'm just giving a perspective. There's literally no room for it. There's no room for it because there's so many you know kids to give room to them first. Right? It's a different when, world. When you say you came from a small town, Calcutta has how many people? No, no, no. So Calcutta is a huge town. Okay. I grew up, my schooling was in Calcutta afterwards. I actually went to a rest, you know, boarding school from my fifth grade. So I grew up with a bunch of my you know, friends, basically, in a boarding school. And every two weeks, get, we get to see mom. And uh, so uh, it, was t- it was tough, but I think it raised us to be independent and self, uh, self-motivated self in a way. You sure. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. you know, also like respect, you know, like uh, respect who you are and respect other people. Uh, it was res- you know, basically like a religious boarding school. Like it was very good uh, school. It will be like ranking in the board exams, really, really good, really, really tough to get in. But at the same time, it was like um, we had to go to prayers in the morning, in the evening. It was like a routine, religious boarding school. Wow. And you got to see your mom once every two weeks? Every two weeks. And if, if the two months in a year when we have three Sundays, sorry, five Sundays, say like March and December or, or March and October when you, you know, like you get paid every two weeks. Sometimes you get paid three times a month, you know. There are two times it will yeah. happen, right? So yeah, those yeah. are three times we will actually not see for three times. We will only see second and fourth Sunday. So sometimes it will be three weeks gap Change. to see parents. How yeah. old were you during this? From 10 to rest of my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, but you know, we all those group, all those friends are still connected. Yeah. We are still uh uh, talk with each other we have a group in whatsapp so it's actually quite fun <laughs> did you hear about this on whatsapp there's supposedly like this big scam going around you don't download a certain thing have you heard this <laughs> yeah but i i only use whatsapp for you know just chit chatting not like uh, yeah but not like videos or anything because it's too much too much stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> too much but wow. um, all right, back to your original town. How many people lived in the original town you actually born? Small in? industrial town, uh, but so my my grandparents were in a village, and like twenty kilometers from the village is my mom used to work in an industrial town, 
So whenever we used to, we were in a boarding school, right? We, we actually born in that village, but mostly when we come back to uh, like, you know, summer vacations or winter vacation, like we'll have like a month off from mm-hmm. school. My, you know, my mom will actually send us to grandparents. And we used to like hate it in the beginning. Like uh, <laughs> we only have four weeks. Why are we spending two, you know, one week in like uh, village. In, in, in a village yeah. when there is no power and anything. And so now we appreciate it because she was trying to teach us like, this is where you come from. Like wow. this is the roots. So uh, yeah, just try to live. So, you know, think about it. Like when we go to field, there is no power. Right. Right? There is no uh, like uh, facilities uh, all the time. We are, as a geologist, we are okay to, but that, so that's why it never bothered me to uh, be in Namibia or be in China or whatever. It never bothered me to um, uh, be uncomfortable. Like, yeah. oh, where is this toilet running water? <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, uh, go to the pond or go to wherever and go to the jungle. There is a bamboo forest, you know, do your stuff. <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and it's not me, it's like everyone. Sure. And they almost grew their own vegetables. They grew, they catch fish and they self-sustained economy. I mean, it's wow. like, a, I mean, if you think about it, most of the people, you know, 50 years before us, like they were probably doing uh, things very nicely that we are trying to actually catch up, like from a socioeconomic perspective. Yeah. Right. But, um, so I, but, but my boarding school was in Calcutta. I went to college that was also in Calcutta. So I, you know, my adult phase was probably in Calcutta, but childhood was in a boarding school. But when we go back, we go back to our hometown, which was like, I think it's like 15, 20 kilometers from my, my, uh, uh, my mom's parents' house, like grandparents' house. Okay. And since my dad passed away, we barely really had any connection from that side. Okay, uh, but that's unfortunate. But that's okay. And it usually, but try to understand. Late seventies, eighties, uh, single mom. You Sheesh. know, in a in a factory, in like a in an industry. She worked really hard to, you know. Uh, it was it's very commendable to be honest. Yeah, heck yeah, it is. Just yeah. listening to. And her. luckily, like she's uh, she's visiting with me now in Houston. So, is that right? Yeah, that is right. Man, yeah, so she is here. I got her. Uh, in mid-February, it's almost a month now. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's great. Good. How long is she going to be here for? She's going to stay a few more weeks and visit my brother, and then probably go back. She's seventy, but uh, she's still very independent. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, Strong. I I probably you know take a deep breath to go fourth floor, like the parking garage. You will ask me to park. I yeah. I will probably you know like this, but <laughs> she lives on the fifth floor. Fourth floor. I mean, India f- floors a little bit different, but she does her own shopping. She does her everything by herself. She's uh, probably Strong. more fit than I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so back to you know getting through the childhood. This very unique experience, um, but to you, it was that was totally normal. Like, you, uh, yeah, I in mean, America, was, very different. Yeah, it will be very different if you tell somebody here, right? But in uh, but remember, we only had. You know, in our boarding school, we only had 120 kids per year. In the whole school? No, 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 no. Like, say I am on the sixth grade. Right. The sixth grade only have 
120 kids. Okay. So we we started together in the fifth grade. We actually, so the, you know, like like you guys say, the class of uh, 30. 30 or mm-hmm. class of 2025 or something, mm-hmm. right? So we will be the class of uh, 96 or the class of 98, something like that. So we all basically uh, lived together. Like we had, you know, small rooms, like with four beds. We will shuffle every semester. So we all get to know each other. Yeah. Uh, so we had our own beds on you know, everything. But at the same time, we... We go to school together, we play together, we, you know, eat together. Um, so we had to clean our own bathrooms. Everybody has a duties, like we have to clean our own bathrooms. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, let's just say this semester, my my job is to uh, clean bathroom. Next semester, my job is to serve food in the kitchen. The following semester, my job is to like get flowers for the prayer hall. You know, Jeez. it's like, uh, so it's not that I do dishes whole year. Not right, like that, but right. uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to get pigeonholed as the dishwasher. Yeah. Right. right. So it's like everybody everybody gets their fair share throughout the year. Right? Everybody. Wow. Nobody is like you're at the top of the class or the bottom of the barrel. Doesn't matter. Everybody is like the same. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and it teaches you to serve, you know, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some real high quality stuff there, but it's kind of military almost the way they're doing it. Mm, no, not that hardcore. Yeah. But um, structured. Structured a little bit that if, way. If the guy was like, hey, I'm not doing the dishes. No, there is, uh, no, 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 no. There's nothing like that. You can't. Yeah. What would happen if they you get like, be this like rebellious? Not, uh, punished, but they will be, you know, there will be a parent's call or something. Oh, like this. and then when he gets home, he's getting whooped, huh? Yeah, probably. <laughs> who knows? But they don't go home until three months, right? So they might get back. But see, who will want that after two weeks in a Sunday afternoon, we only get three hours to meet your parents. And those three hours, you get scolding from your parent. Who yeah, will like that? Right. So in a way, we are all... Doesn't mean I didn't get scolding. Doesn't sure. mean that, you know, I used to... I was absolutely opposite to studies you know trust me yes wow. like i my brother used to be top of the class i will be barely like you know 16 out of 40 is like 40 percent right okay i will make 15 and a half <laughs> so it has been rounded up to 16 to make it seriously yeah but so but i survived you know it's not a big <laughs> deal now you're fine you know? yeah no it's thriving all... at this point yeah yeah so uh but yeah, back to college, you know, uh, so I joined geology and I liked it. And mm-hmm. that since then, I didn't never had the, you know, crave or something to go back to be a doctor. But eventually I am a doctor, but just not like a medical doctor. Right. right? Yeah. So doctor in philosophy, right? Yeah. Isn't that what you get as a, doc- a PhD geologist? It's a doctorate in philosophy? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So. All right. So undergraduate college degree college focus i mean uh, geology degree geology focused right young man how many how many students were in the in the program in the college geology there was quite a lot not too many but uh, because 50 I, 60 100 not okay there were like colleges but under one university does that make sense no. Kind of like the UT system, like UT kind of like Austin, UT, system, UT yes. Dallas. Like, yeah, U- okay. UT system. So let's just say University of uh, Calcutta, but there are separate colleges which also teaches uh, geology. For example, in the morning, the same building have a woman in the morning 
and say co-ed education in the afternoon in the night might be so some people might be like not able to uh, go to school during the day they have a night college hmm. so they could a uh, night college never taught geology though uh, you don't want geology in the dark you need to see the rocks but uh, <laughs> but the woman in the morning was make sense because many of them worked many of them also safety issues like you know uh, if they get done by 10 a.m. a college they have the whole day to like you know work on other things or sometimes men even they are young but you know not everybody has the same uh, fortunate and affluence wise a lot of mm-hmm. people hard working some people staying far they still want to get a degree so commute if you think all of this there was room for everybody but it was funny though like in government in the government of india or whatever it's a free education for college it's practically free so say um, you know say 3 years of undergraduate if i convert the money it's like 50 dollars right like okay oh. fine 100 dollars it's like nothing Hundred dollars for what? For the whole three years, college tuition. What? Yeah, it's free, right? But so then, if if it is free, then everybody can have an education. But then the standard is not, uh, you know, maintained. So that the standard gets compromised. Okay. So it was a funny thing how they did things. So if you're in a science, you have to take maths as a mandatory minor subject. Sure. And trust me so after two years there will be a board exam everybody has to take the same math exam for two days three chapters basically four hours of four hours four hours next day four hours okay and you know our previous batch uh, like on an average like 10% people qualify Wow. So if you don't qualify, even you are the genius in geology, uh-huh. you don't get a degree. Is that right? Because yeah, you didn't so pass the math portion. Because you are a science, you better you have to pass your minor subjects. If you fail in the minor subjects, then there is no point for you to be a, sure. a major. Yeah. So that is how they filtered. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to take a maths or uh, chemistry or biology physics. or physics right. but maths is a mandatory you have to take two two maths no like one math uh-huh. and other one will be oh, like chemistry or chemistry physics, physics or see. biology any other science topic yeah but you have to take maths and if you fail in maths you are done damn yeah maths is tough man maths yeah and i'm one. talking about third order differential calculus damn it yes and we didn't have calculators or <laughs> you know uh, no so it was tough so you have to pass so there will be like say 10 problems okay each problems are like 10 points 100 points okay and then three chap three exams right so three uh, segments yeah say algebra and blah 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 in the first day morning yeah the first day afternoon is like differential calculus and the second day is like dynamics and integration like third order partial derivatives and all of that you have to pass 30% on each paper and overall also 30%. Or okay. something maybe you can you have to pass 25% on each paper and 30% overall something like that, right? So you need to get 3 of the 10 questions right? Yes. So as long as you are damn confident <laughs> that you you three questions are done, yeah, 
you can just, just walk away. <laughs> just move on. Just move on. Because <laughs> why even brain stress for You're the right. next day or the next exam on the same day? Yeah. You know you have, say, four. To be on the same, do four. Yeah. And take your time. You don't have to complete 100. Okay. Right? You just need to pass. Yeah. There is no need to be top of the... Nobody's giving you an award <laughs> for getting 100 out of 100. <laughs> no. You just need to pass. pass. Yeah. So four. if you do four... And you're confident you are four. The next paper you are four. Don't stress about the remaining six questions. You are fine. Yeah. And that's how I did. You know, <laughs> that's how I just, I mean, I was interested in math regardless. I liked maths. But still, why stress? I mean, I, I had enough to pass. Yeah. But still, I, in the last paper, I still remember the dynamics and integration. I had four solid. <laughs> the fifth one, I was dicey. And it was still like, I was like, I don't have much time. I was like. It's fine because uh, got solid four. So I got four, and I am pretty confident with the previous day with the you know forty percent. So I was fine, but in, even in my year, it was only nine percent people who pass. Jeez. Yeah. So we lost some like uh, friends from our group. Yeah. Because they couldn't qualify, but they give you one more chance the next year. Okay. Not next semester. Next year. year. It's a different ball game. Wow. You know? So. Wow. Yeah. And then so undergraduate, you have your sedimentology, your certificate class, your yeah. petrography, uh, yeah, petrography, everything, right? Crystallography, structure, structure uh, historical geology, everything. So yeah. you're taking all that, you're, you're running through chemistry and physics, you know, kind of your minors. Yeah. So that's, there's some parallels in there yeah. uh, for sure with what, yeah. what goes on. It's very, but the only difference is like here, undergraduate is four years. There we have three years. Oh yeah, so yeah. you're cramming it all in even even in three more. Years. Yeah. Wow. So it's a little well, different. So if you come here to do a master's, right. it's complicated because they need at a minimum four years of degree, four years of like graduate studies or undergraduate, graduate, whatever, right? Yeah. So often what people do is like they when you are already after undergraduate, it's three years. They get into a master's program. And they're one year in the master's program. Why quit? Uh -huh. right? So they finish the master's. And sometimes they come here and do another master's to understand the system, blah, 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 uh -huh. etc. So often people will have two master's. There's absolutely no credit into it. But, uh, you know, because you already have made up your mind, you want to go to a foreign country and they require four years of degree course. Right. So you're not quitting in the middle of a master's degree in, in India. Why would you do that? Because by the time you travel, it will be one more year anyways. You give the exams, you, know, you travel, and you know, semester starts in the fall or yeah. spring. My question was going to be, in your undergrad, while you were getting geology courses, you were getting to understand kind of your place in geology, you're advancing in this subject, you're having a good relationship, and you're building a relationship with the geologists who are teaching the subject, right? your professors, what were the opportunities for you as an undergraduate? What were you seeing as like, okay, maybe I'll go and work there or what did that look like for At you? At the time, remember, this is, uh, this was like, like almost like 1999, 2000, 2001, okay. 2002. Opportunities in India in the oil segment was just started. So before that, there was a little bit of oil bloom overall in the world, right? So oil jobs, and then, then this company called Reliance hmm. India started, or they probably started before, I don't remember, but 
before that it was only government jobs right so you know like you work you can only work for say uh, usgs like in us yeah. or say uh, you know geological survey of something or some kind of like mining industry of india or gas authority of india like okay. very government driven job right right and those were fine because you know the perception of people were once you get a government job like your life is set like you you just you know clock in clock out nobody can fire you it's very secure it is true right uh, but that doesn't mean that there was opportunity for everyone right yes right highly competitive very right? competitive you know it was in so many people in india just think about it like it is just extremely competitive how many people live in india now <laughs> i don't know maybe 1.2 um billion yeah it's yeah. over a billion over a billion for sure is it more than china no not yet okay but i'm sure they will cross it's going that way huh yeah it's so well china did the big thing like no we don't want more than like two kids per family or one kid per family one right? kid for family unless you have a phd you can have two kids oh mm -hmm. now india doesn't have anything like that no, right no they tried uh, socially i think i used to remember like they had a they had a commercial on tv like like we two hours two like don't have more than two kids kind of uh, you know agenda yeah but i don't think really worked what whatever i don't think uh, oh, let's not talk about that because uh, <laughs> this is complicated yeah, yeah sure it's a very diverse uh, you know socio economic country so different cultures different religion different people so everybody has their different mindset sure so but Anyway, I mean, it's uh, nothing I can do or I can contribute. I don't have kids here, so I'm not contributing. So ah, you're not, con you're at zero. Yeah, I'm at zero. Oh, so. wow. Now, the India uh, crashes into Asia and makes the Himalaya mountains. Did you, did you learn that in undergrad? Do you guys remember? Yeah, it? of course, yeah. Did you get to go to the Himalayas and check all that out? No, uh, I wish. It, see, it depends, like uh, organizing field trips or... Uh, so when you go to... When you are doing a, ma it, so maybe there is, not maybe, there are universities which are close to the Himalayas. Their field trip is there, sure. right? Of course, I was close to the, you know, Cretonic parts of India, like Eastern India, Creton. So we used to go to the Cretons. And we used to look at a lot of pegmatites. Nice. You know, back, back in the days, didn't really understood the value of it. Now we do. But uh, pegmatites and granites and, uh, you know, a bunch of, like, banded iron formations was a big deal. Banded iron formations. Yeah, because nice. the whole steel iron companies are based on very close to, like, you know, eastern India, where we are from. So, so a lot of, like, even, like, we were taken to uranium mines and... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, lots of stuff. Back in the days, like, mineralogy was a big deal, right? So, mining metals was obvious, big deal. Obvious, big deal. Gas, oil, not really. Freshwater aquifer, hydrology, hydro hydrogeology or hydrology was there when we were, you know, those were falling into applied geology. So, uh, but not really into people's mind, hmm. you know, because uh, the scope was limited. But it was just growing. Okay. Yeah, it was just growing. I mean, if I was doing geology five years before when I graduated, I probably, there was not even, an, you know, much options to even when I was. Options started to uh, become more open kind of when I was uh, leaving India. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, like, people were going to oil industry, like Reliance or other. So, there will be private, you know, 
energy companies. Mm-hmm. But before there was a government energy company, like, you know, uh, it's called ONGC, like, uh, I don't even remember the full name now. But uh, I think Oil Natural Gas Corporation, something like ONGC, and uh, they were good, but uh, not that I was 30 years old, but um, their cap was like 30 years old. And mm. uh, like, but we knew people, you know, again, it's a government company. Sometimes, if the right team, right people, very enthusiastic, very creative. Sometimes you do nothing, you still have your life well well enough. So, yeah. uh, But other than that, there was not really uh, scope to be uh, creative in my opinion. Yeah. Wow, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really um, want it to be, like I'm in an industry right now, but trust me, I never wanted to come to an industry. Hmm. I always wanted to be in academia. I always uh-huh. had that... Um, a passion in me and I still try to do my best but I always always like uh, so still it's but coming to like industry we'll talk about it later but yeah coming to industry did uh, made me a better person in a way because you know people in academia they often think why would industry care about this and uh, but people in industry might be coming to this angle that Oh, it's too academic, you know. This sure. is a very, very always, uh, always say that, right? Oh yeah, always. The, and there are the people who have, you know, magically built that wall, and uh, you know, kept those two things separate. Mm. And we'll talk about it later. Like at least I, I'm trying to break the wall and build a bridge between academia and industry, right? Uh, because yeah. um, people in academia forgot they were in school one day. Right? They had had a minimum master's degree to get into academia. Right. Uh, sorry, get into industry. And people in the academia forgot that many of the fundings to advance research has been provided by the industry, That's right. by geophysics, by coring, yeah. by you know, seismic, you, you name it. You right. know, uh, industry has a, in, not only GNG, like not only oil and gas, every industry for that matter. Yeah. You know, they have enormous contribution to advanced science. Yeah. Um, did you get your? Forget. So you're getting your master's now in India, or did you leave? After so I actually I'm, did my master's in India. Okay. And like um, <laughs> I went to an IIT. IIT is a big deal in India. Like it's called uh, Indian Institute of Technology. That's okay. a big deal, but big deal for undergraduate, like the, for the engineering part. Um, but I went uh, for a like advanced master's degree, like called M Tech. Like it's a three years. So it's more like, you know, very applied. You almost like secured a job, things like that. It's an IIT, big deal. But we were, you know, uh, we were in a very fine, my, you know, my mom, of course, you know, worked in a very uh, government company and it was closing down for some reason. So we had a lot of like financial stuff. And I was like, if I want to do something good, I don't need a tag name for a university. So I actually came back to my hometown in Calcutta, mm-hmm. like, uh, and did a master's with a you know few people who are fantastic in their own ways. I'm still indebted to them for, you know, what they have taught me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my kind of philosophy, there's a saying like, if you want to, um, you know, just you know raise your own uh, cattle, you don't need to. If you want to do something good, raise your own cattle. You don't have to go and raise 
your neighbor's cattle. Right? Yeah. So uh, like <laughs> go to the forest and raise a cattle. Why? Like spend money and do you first take care of your own backyard. Yeah. So I went back to my backyard because there are genius people there who will, te- will teach you the, you know, the basics. And trust me to all like whoever is listening this or afterwards, if you know the basics, you can go far. That's right. Right. If you don't know the basics, I don't know how much can you fake it for how long. Right. But basics is something uh, they have taught me well. Right? Awesome. So I did a master's and then in 2004, and I, all this time I was really, really focused on structure and tectonics. Right? That's what my uh, bread and butter was. Yeah. I, I was able to go to mountaintops and sketch it out. Uh, three-dimensional uh, figures like mm-hmm. cross sections mm-hmm. no problem i could see it i was really you know happy about it but i i wanted to do something different that's why i came to us just to do a phd here uh, to really you know know different things know different people learn something new yeah. and uh, and then life changed in good way or bad way, I don't know. Like it changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What were the biggest changes? What do you mean? I mean, uh, when I came, I went. I was. Uh, I I got a PhD position in Tulane, okay. in New Orleans, and uh, 2005, everything got you know. Har- um, what I'm saying, Harvey, Katrina, Katrina, right? right. Yeah. Speaking of Harvey, like I'm sorry to bring the word Harvey when uh, you know in. in I bought a house in uh, Houston in 2007. Yeah. We walked in. After a week, it was Harvey. More than I was worried about my house getting flooded, all I was thinking is that how many international people have faced two deadliest hurricane damages in the history of U.S.? Wow. If there is one. It's you. It's me. <laughs> and I mean, is that a good thing? <laughs> I don't think so, but <laughs> if I could survive Katrina, yeah, I think I could survive Harvey. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, long story. But Katrina, basically, I, I, you know, I had nothing. I, I just had my backpack, and my, my roommate. Uh, we we waited a little bit because you know we are international students. We don't have anywhere to go. We don't have family, and uh, we drove to Houston, a airport. I still remember. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I age and I, I still vividly remember like, you know, Italy in all these European countries, their airlines, most of the flights leave around in the afternoon, right? 3.30 uh-huh. to 6.30, 8.30. We were waiting for a bus to arrive from Superdome because some from friends were trapped there because they were mostly Europeans or other countries. All the airlines gave an open ticket, no, no expenses to fly back to their home country. Wow. Uh, not, nothing to do with India, but Indian government didn't do that or because there was no airlines from Houston to you know go to India. If it was in Chicago or New York, there was direct airlines to India. But maybe that's the reason. But I, I still remember like when me and my roommate, we drove back to, he had a car, I didn't have a car. We drove back to College Station to just you know stay in one of his friends on the floor. Yeah. And in the car from Houston airport to college station, neither of us spoke a word because we were like, I just want to go back home. Yeah. You know, I just feel like lost. I feel like in a different country, we left, you know, after 20, 
24 years of like, you know, history, you leave the country and then you face this, it's just absolutely like you're Crushing. lost. Yeah. Right? You're absolutely lost. Yet, you know, you put courage back in yourself. Got to. You have to because there is no, what? Because remember, it's not ego. It's like, not even prestige. It's about like self, you know, I don't know, like what is it? But really, maybe that's what taught me in the school, when in my boarding school, like self manifestation, you want to say, like you, you cannot just go back and say, I failed. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I cannot do that. That's right. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really, really changed me, like uh, with a backpack and a passport. And uh, that's it. A pair yeah. of jeans. Jeez. Yeah. So uh, then I, you know, my brother was in Chicago and I, after two months from college station, when things were a little bit better, we now knew that, you know, of course, Levy has broken and our houses has flooded, everything. So we have to, the city is shut down. You know, there's a, there is this military shut down the whole I-10 and everything. So, so everybody was told, like, go wherever you want to go. But you have to be in status because we are international students. Yeah. I mean, crazy, right? You don't even know where your salary will come from. For, and, but we have to be in status because otherwise we will be uh, asked to leave the country. Wow. I, mean, I don't think most people realize and we could talk about this afterwards, and most people don't realize that every international student really has a lot to go through. Yeah. You know? Anyway, but um, so I kind of spend a few few time in Northwestern uh, and then try to figure it out. And then eventually I went back to Nevada because I, I just, uh, by the time, by, the, by this, all this mambo jumbo, four years has gone by where I got a PhD to do, but didn't work out, did this and that and settled here, settled there. And, you know, like you are young and then your friends are, you know, getting jobs and they are getting settled in their life. And you are like, I still haven't started PhD. Four yeah. years has gone by. And it's a rare case. It's not that everybody has to go through Katrina. Right. Uh, but uh, that's what happened to me. Jeez. So, uh, so where do you get back on your feet? How does this story? So I really got on my feet, to be honest, because I have to thank, uh, you know, my advisor, Gang Ching, you know, in, in the UNLV. I still remember he told me the very first day, you know, first day he was very nice. Uh, he He's a heavy smoker. So he was hiding his cigarette uh, from, you know, like this in the back. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, why is he hiding his cigarette? I mean, he, he knows I don't smoke. He yeah. realized I don't smoke. And then he's hiding his cigarette. He's a, you know, he's a very interesting character. And then I, I had to say him, like, I'm sorry, but I could see smoke coming out. You know, it's not that you're hiding a bottle of uh, wine or something like in your pocket. I could see smoke coming out. What are you hiding? He's like, no, I'm embarrassed that, you know, you don't smoke. I'm smoking. I'm like, whatever, you know, it's fine. Yeah. You, you smoke, you smoke. And the next day he, he called me in his office and he said, like, okay. So what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to uh, be in academia. And uh, so he knew all of this history. Yeah. You know, he, this is what year? Like this 2000, is 2009. 2009. Four or five years has gone by. Right? Yeah. 2009, January. 
Um, How'd you get Vegas? I mean, Sin City, Las Vegas. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, I, I had to leave Northwestern. Longer story some other day. But uh, maybe, you know, when we talk about international students, I will talk about it. Uh, but uh, in, I you know, applied a few areas and then he was looking, he had an NSF funding funded project. And he was looking for a student who knows to do field work. Nice. Who, who, who knew how to do really, at the time, cutting edge geochemical laboratory work. Okay. And, uh, you know, ha has a little bit of background on Proterozoic and et cetera, et cetera. Like Proterozoic, you know, in China or Neoproterozoic, whatever. Yeah. So I kind of fitted the thing he was looking for. It was funny because um, the university was looking for uh, a GIS. Um, Mapper. Uh, no, no, GIS um, teaching assistant okay. for the spring. So, and I had uh, some GIS courses back in Tulane I was not good at it I mean I'm not bad at it but I knew the basics I could yeah. use because you know you like maps and you you're when yeah. you are young at the time Google uh, map was uh, Google Earth was released and all day you are looking to find your hometown and yep. you know so this is what how it works and uh, so and who doesn't like maps as a geologist right so uh, so the guy asked me like do you can you teach uh, you know GIS I'm like, oh, hell no, right? No. <laughs> then he said like, well, if you can, then you are in in January. All and if you sudden, cannot, you, have, you, you come in August. And this was December 1st <laughs> or 2nd. Realize it, if by December 10, I don't sign somewhere, I have to go back to India. Oh, wow. It's, so it's that not, tight. Yeah, right? you don't get to come back in August. No. You, no, I mean, I have to do the paperwork again. There is no guarantee, blah, oh blah, blah. Gosh. All right. So obviously. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I can teach you guys. <laughs> right. And it was really nice because, uh, you know, at the time uh, I had options in Maryland and options in Tennessee. The, you know, funny thing is like uh, the, the guy they took in Tennessee uh, because they remember this is 2008. Mm -hmm. Right. Economy crashed. Yeah. A lot of people went back to Ph.D. Yeah. Uh, who are not international, they are, you know, uh, yeah. in, in the local citizens. And so the priority was to like, you know, no offense, but that's what everybody will do. The priority was to hire local right. uh, American citizens, then uh, get into international students. The, the whole economy crashed and Obama just joined and everywhere was like, uh, in the spring of 2009 was like budget cut and everything because of so much needs to be done. So... The person who who the professor took in Tennessee, and he she has to tell me that like, I can't because you know uh, I have another student who I promised, and he's practically my best friend in science. Now today, is that right? Yeah. So we ran into each other afterwards, and we're like, "Hold on a second. Wow. And we are like, you know, he even came to my wedding, and, wow. uh, and he's like, practically, you know, we do research together all the time. Right on. Yeah. And uh, Maryland tried to help me. He's, uh, I still do work with him as a research person also. Like, so small world, right? People, yeah. uh, but at the time, Vegas was the only option. And I know people said that, um, you know, you are leaving Chicago area and going to like Vegas. I mean, are you for real? <laughs> uh, is there even a university? Like, uh, you know, that's what the people's perception was. 
Yeah. Actually a great one, yeah. you know, the because you were sitting in the middle of a natural laboratory. Yeah. Right? Exactly right. Red you want rocks, to do falls? Yeah, Grand you want to Canyon. do uh, uh, Grand Canyon, you go you know, even like Sunrise Mountain, then Death Valley. Oh you know, man. Imagine like the current uh, you know, uh, looking for minerals and this. Yeah. You are in the hot area, Hell right? Yeah. So uh, now maybe I will cherish, you know, I went to Vegas, you know. You know, you know what I mean? Heck yeah. What but part of Vegas did you live? Did you live I, on campus? No. Okay. I in the first three three four months of first semester, I I lived near the campus. I okay. used to walk, then I had a bike. Uh, but afterwards, I moved far towards Sunrise Mountain. Sunrise like farther east. Oh, further east than yeah. even the university, because the university is out east of of the Strip and all that. A little bit, but then I lived like seven miles from there. Further east. Further east. Is that Henderson that way? What is that? That so that's Henderson that way. Okay. So I lived where this famous road five fifteen. Uh, starts and breaks off towards Henderson you because I could see the mountain you know of Henderson mountains in the morning and I wake up wow, and um, nice not oh, in the summertime but it's nice everywhere. oh it was really really nice and we could every weekend we could go somewhere and how were the monsoons did you like the monsoons in Vegas flash floods no yeah <laughs> oh come on I mean I liked it but I'm like I come from India so uh, yeah. you already yeah Katrina I you're, yeah you're I'm like, like yeah flash flood and that's not really fun you know <laughs> flood no, you know, but, um, but uh, all the shallow lakes outside Lake Prim, you know, Prim, Prim Nevada. Lake, yeah, yeah. So it was, it looked like a lake. Oh, unbelievable when it would flood. Yeah. Come right up like to the road. Ra- yeah, like to the road. And it's like, where does this lake arrive from? Like, <laughs> so now we know, right? Now yeah. we are looking into all of these uh, playa lakes and everything. Yeah. So it makes more sense. But uh-huh. back in the time, it was all uh, kind uh-huh. of fun. Like, uh, but, uh, like backing, going back to the second day, why Vegas made a change for me. My advisor, I thank him for one thing. Everybody has issues with their advisors. Who doesn't? Sure. I did. And now we are, you know, very, you know, he has, I probably really indebted to him because the second day he told me, so what do you want to do? With more than 35 years of experience in the industry, Impact Exploration Services has you covered for all your mud logging, geosteering, and geoscience service needs. Impact Exploration Services covers every basin in the lower 48 and can customize the services to your needs. Impact Exploration Services sets the professional standard. And the next time you have problems to solve and questions to answer, think Impact Exploration Services. This episode is brought to you by Trunkline. You probably know Trunkline as the company that makes the legendary oil field horizontal drilling socks. And it's true. Our drill baby drill socks featuring a heel to toe wellbore are 100% American made and are designed right in the heart of the oil and gas industry. But did you know that Trunkline is also a revolutionary digital marketing tool that can transform the way you advertise your oil field services? You can showcase your company's project track record on Trunkline and our automated platform will boost your exposure through social media, email marketing, SEO, and more. Now, whenever one of your new customers asks you, can you show me an example of your work? You can simply turn them to your Trunkline portfolio. It's more effective than a brochure, it's less expensive than sponsoring a whole other golf course, and easier than maintaining your website. Join more than 200 service companies on Trunkline by signing up at register.trunkline.com today. Let's go. 
I said, I want to be in academia. Like, you know, as always, I wanted to be. So like, okay. So um, you come from India. Definitely you have an accent. And after four or five years, you graduate. Uh, let's just say uh, no teaching position is not going to take you because, uh, you know, they would rather have a native speaker than a foreign speaker for only teaching. But you want to do research. I said, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, so let's just say there's a table of three candidates. You from, you know, like B category or, you know, maybe ranking wise B category or C category university. Mm. Doesn't matter where, what we teach, doesn't matter what you learn, but ranking wise, it's not the best. And then there is, will be a person with a couple of, you know, maybe a person from Harvard, maybe a, a person from MIT or Stanford or something looking for a faculty position. You have to compete with them. Yeah. Pretty competitive. So what, what, you know, what will you do to compete with them? So I said like, well, you know, I have to probably write a bunch of papers in the next four or five years and uh, that will do it. And he's like, I don't think not because they, they, they are not idiots. They are going to write the same four or five papers also, <laughs> right? So what, what, what is going to make a difference for you? I said, I don't know. You tell me. And so that day, the second day, he told me that from UNLV, if you can write a nature or science paper, you can outbid all of these other people wow. because they had the opportunity you didn't yet we can we can succeed to that level wow only then you can uh, you know from there where you go it doesn't matter at the time i was like are you kidding me like you know, he did have a nature paper at the time so i don't think i could have said that like how many do you have that you're telling me this, right? <laughs> How often does a faculty has a nature paper, a science paper of that level? Barely, right? How many people work their whole life doesn't do it? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, whatever, you know, it's second day. And, and remember, at this time, I have lost five years in my life. This is my last shuttle to catch my goal, mm -hmm. right? I don't have any other option. Right. I cannot be dancing around at, you know, to change university to university, uh, have immigration papers here and there to just, what am I doing? Like, seriously. Like, when I was directly got into a PhD from India, most people don't. Back in the days, they wanted you to do a master's and then do a PhD. Mm -hmm. four, four, five years, you know, five years has gone by. I'm still on the same board, Right. But then he took me to China for our project and we had a fantastic time. We had a lot of field work and samples and understand many things. And I think that was a great journey uh, with him who, who really made me, you know, my second, I mean, the first thing I will indebt it to my professors back in, the, my, in my hometown during my master's. Mm -hmm. And the second thing was I am indebted to him equally because without that passion or because he understood not only that you have to do good research, but he, he was also an international student, right? Yeah. He's Chinese and he, you know, he, he basically, you know, understood what it takes. Right. And how it takes is not important. What it takes is important, right? And then collaborating with other universities, you know, and uh, he used to also always tease me that, you know, you are different. And I said, how come I am different? He said, like, I come on a weekend to work. You don't. I'm like, you are wasting your life. 
I don't want to. <laughs> and he said he respected it. Yeah. You know, he ex- he expected it that oh, every Chinese and Indians will be like following the advisor. If they poop, they will poop. If they eat, they will eat. <laughs> Whatever they do, they will follow. Yeah. Because oh, my advisor, I have to be like right. a servant. Why would I do that? Right. I respect you. I don't have to be your servant. Mm-hmm. And he really respected me that you are not like a typical Indian who is only playing cricket and only staying with Indians. You you actually try to know different culture, know different people and uh, try to make a difference. And I used to tell myself, you don't understand. I don't have any other option. Yeah. Right. Plus I enjoyed it. I mean, forget the option. I really enjoy talking yeah. to people like, you know. Yeah. And know different things, different food, different, you know, a lot of Japanese friends and yeah. uh, Chinese friends. And, you know, uh, in fact, even a friend from uh, uh, Afghanistan and all of these people. I and mean, why not? Let's know each other and know their That's culture. Cool. Otherwise, why did I leave India Right. to do what? Like, to just, just do the same thing? Like, why would I stay there? Right? Yeah. I just, you know, whatever. Yeah. But what, uh, so in 2012... We were successful to have our research published in Nature as a bigger group. And uh, so that probably gave me a lot of motivation mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And I, I thank him for that. I mean, uh, yes, you can say that uh, maybe as a student, I was a student. But of course, you know, advisors are there to help you. Because like what we are doing today, like we are helping other students to have their career set up. Yeah. Because we already have a job, we already have our career, so we don't need to be running for shiny object, but we need to help people to, you know, grow in that direction. Right. Yeah. Now, what was the paper in, uh, in Nature in 2012? What did you guys write about? So that was actually, um, you know, also like redox state of the ocean, but we were, you know, the whole summary was that, you know, when life really started was a debate. Right. Okay. So people say Cambrian explosion. This is a famous word, right? Sure. So what we are what we were looking into, you know, Edia Karan time period. And Edia Karan was like the time period just before, like almost like 80, 100 million years, uh, uh, last part of Proterozoic. Okay. So right, right before the Cambrian explosion. Right before the Cambrian. So 635 to 551. Okay. That's Edia Karan. Now the Ediacaran started with this famous, uh, you know, snowball earth glaciation called Merinoian glaciation. Okay. So it was basically the deglaciation. Then you have the cap carbonate, then black shells, and then basically it's a post Merinoian glaciation time period. Right? Say it again. Merinoian glaciation. That's the that's the last major snowball earth glaciation. Is right before the Cambrian explosion. It's even before that. So it's at 635 million years. Okay. Okay. Almost 100 million before. Almost, uh, you know, 80 million years before. Yeah. So, but we also, we look into like trace metals in seawater, like in in sediments, but, you know, seawater proxy of seawater, trace metals. The idea is, simple idea is that, you know, if you have a lot of metals in the ocean, only then you can have it in the sediments. Let's put it this way. If you don't have anything to, if you don't have any food in your fridge, no matter how hungry you are, you have nothing to eat. Mm-hmm. Right? Plain and simple. Right? But now if you uh, have a lot of food, you eat a lot. You, you eat a lot. If you don't have any food, you don't eat a lot. Right? It's very simple. 
But there's like an you know, enormous amount of work has been done before that. The proxy, the simple first order approximation is that higher the concentration in the water column will basically derive the sediment. And the more oxidative weathering is in the atmosphere, only then you are bringing these metals into the ocean because it's a byproduct of oxidative weathering. Hmm. So if there is no oxygen in the atmosphere, where is this oxidative weathering coming from? Mm -hmm. So in a way, you are kind of approximation that higher metals in the shells is an you know fast order approximation that it, it relates to higher oxygen concentration in the ocean atmosphere system. Okay. Okay. So more oxygen in the atmosphere, more oxidative weathering of pyrides or other things which has metals to begin with is bringing by river to the ocean. And now that I have a lot of ocean, metals in the ocean, you can draw down the metals from the water column into your sediments. Okay. Okay. Uh, think about like present. Present is like the maximum, most oxygen in a way, right? So then we take modern proxies to kind of understand the paleo signatures. Hmm. So what we found was there were like uh, another group of researchers like uh, Shuhai and other group in Virginia Tech. They have done so much good work uh, on like they found like, you know, basically animal embryo uh, eggs and stuff in, you know, microfossils in right after that deglaciation, mm. right? Mainorian glaciation. So the question was that, but, but before that, people saw evidence of high metals at 551 MA. Okay. Okay. Right before the Cambrian explosion. So imagine, like, you have, a, you know, a lot of animals from here, but the evidence of uh, oxygenation is right before that. It made sense. But now people have gone to 635 MA or 632 MA and finding actual embryos of animal uh, animal life, but then there is no proof of oxygenation. So either hmm. oxygen has nothing to do with it, or we are missing out an oxygenation event right after the glaciation. So we found same levels of metal enrichment in those black shells from China which is the same as almost the upper idea current right mm. before the Cambrian explosion. So there was a you know, pulse of oxygenation, yeah. like a jump start in a way, uh, at 632 mm. million years ago. Using the metals from the shales. Metal from the shales, the like re reduced, reduced shells, because they are the, they are the right proxy to really uh, account for you know, metal sequestration. But basically saying that we have Phanerozoic level enrichment 80 million years ago before the animal evolution, like a Cambrian, a Cambrian explosion. So it was pretty cool, actually, like yeah. really, really simple, very simple, but very cool story. Yeah, I haven't heard or studied much about the whole snowball earth back in the Eddie. I always pronounce it Eddie Ackerman. Uh, Eddie Ackerman, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, I might be saying wrong, but. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. uh, the snowball earth. So everything was completely frozen is the idea. Yeah. And then the when crust. you are melting it, in theory, think about it, like you are bringing in probably tons of nutrients and potentially primary productivity might have gone higher. And, but that's fine. That happens all the time. But you need to have metals to be enriched. 
and high metals is probably because there was enough oxidative weathering uh, because of the oxygen was high in the ocean atmosphere to bring in those uh, metals like moly, vanadium, uranium. These are like chalcophilic, redox-sensitive elements. Those metals are coming from either the rocks and the crust. Yeah, probably you know uh, surface weathering of uh, on the crust, of course. Uh, surface weathering and uh, like oxidative weathering of say pyrites or other shells. And if it's oxidized water column it was no the not necessarily oxidized water column the water column is becoming reducing just like an oa you know but remember back in the days the whole ocean was anoxic mm. right okay. after the phanerozoic we started to see the whole ocean is practically oxic and there are zones of anoxic environment. Okay. But in the Proterozoic or Neoproterozoic, it's all anoxic. It's actually all anoxic. So okay. if there was all oxygen, then life would have started like billions of years ago, but it didn't, right? So there's probably like stepwise rise of oxygen. And okay. there are many works on that, like, you know, tremendous amount of work on that. Like uh, even in the Ediacaran, we have this something called Shuram Alamali, and this is like from Oman. It's really fascinating stuff, like how really oxygen you know changed during that idea current to jump start they're probably like you know, small small jump starts yeah to eventually create a phanerozoic level still lower than today but still enough to have a you know your car going mm -hmm. the battery power didn't probably back up to all the way but car is running with a jump start and then by the time like devonian jurassic oxygen was like today i see yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, that does kind of go into what your your recent papers kind of talks about too, right? This so re recent paper, yeah, it's it's very similar philosophy. Like the idea is also very simple, but uh, it also talks about extinction events. Now we are talking about not animal explosion, but animal extinction. Mm -hmm. But also looking into metals in the seawater. But in this case, now understand that the whole ocean is oxic. You're creating anoxic events to almost creating like sulfuric environments, like a kill mechanism. But what we showed, by the way, this is the, you're talking about the, the last week nature paper. Right, right. right. Yes. The famous. Not the famous. I hope it is famous. <laughs> uh, but it was. it's uh, a little bit background before I, I go here is... Um, like this simple idea actually came from uh, somebody's thesis. I didn't came from thesis. I was reading somebody's thesis and I realized that the interpretation they did was wrong. I don't, I don't think I will say wrong. They just didn't see the, uh, the hidden, uh, you know, hidden history in that because they don't have the knowledge of it. And it's sort of what they did in their purpose is totally fair. No problem. Right. right? Nothing wrong. Point. Let me rephrase it. It's nothing wrong. It's just that there might have been uh, some other messages they missed out. Right. And it's not their cup of tea. Neither was the focus of the thesis. So it's fine. Right. Well, that's yeah. just how generally. That's I how think, generally it works, yeah. right? You catch information. Yeah. You and you, from your perspective, you're like, "Whoa, that's an important data point for exactly. what I'm thinking about." You know, that's yeah. constantly what we're. And doing. like we were saying, all these lakes were now flooded in Vegas. 
Yeah. When I lived there, I didn't give a damn about it. <laughs> but now I'm like, hmm, maybe there is like, you know, other metals enriching in the lakes, like a Playa Lakes, right? Uh-huh. So it's just like that. You know, when you are in front of it, you don't see it. When you step out of it, you're like, wait a second, right? Yeah. Maybe there's some message there. Yeah. But the message was very simple. It's like in the Bakken, if you look at the metals, they are, they're almost like rising in three different steps. But if it was... You know, like traditionally, what we will see, there was a guy, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him, genius in my mind, Tom Algio. Uh, he had some papers like really saying how, you know, metals are drawn down from water column during anoxic events. And it's very real. Like, uh, you know, you, you will have a lot of metals in the beginning because of uh, high productivity and high sulfidic conditions, metals are drawn down. And over the time, you will see there's a decline of metals. Right. So the, think about like a, a spike in molly or gamma ray, mm-hmm. and then gamma ray declines. Mm-hmm. Right? Because why it declines? Because there is no more metals in the ocean. It has drawn down. Okay. Let's just put it a different lame example. I always think about food or fish. Right? <laughs> Let's do food. You stack your fridge on Sunday. You pig out. You eat a lot. Right? And then Monday, like, I still have some food left. Like I, I cooked so much and I, and I just eat. By Tuesday, you're running out of... But let's just say by Thursday, you barely have like no meat, probably yeah. some eggs, maybe a little bit of milk. By Friday, you're like dying. Yeah. Right? You don't have any food. By Saturday, you're like really, really like I need to like replenish. If right. you don't replenish, you're hungry every day. So imagine TOC or sulfating environment to be hungry. And the food is like metals, like say moly or vanadium. like From the water? From the water column. Okay. Right? So if you don't replenish for a shorter duration of time, it's going to decline because you have taken it out from the water column because productivity is still there, right? But in Bakken, we saw that it's actually reverse. How come metals are rising and rising and rising? If you pay attention, there's three steps of rising. Okay. And that was the first time I realized that um, this is interesting, right? Yeah. I had four sections from somebody's thesis and I was like, hmm, you know, so I wrote an abstract for AGU. I couldn't go, but uh, so kind of parked that idea. And then uh, in, but then I joined Equinor, right? At the time, Statoil. And I realized that we are in Bakken. And we have shared access to a gazillion data, yeah. our own wells, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, hmm, you know, like maybe this is something I can uh, follow. And in 2019, I had an intern work with me and I did some machine learning to figure it out that I was, I was chasing this low vanadium zone. Why could be there so low vanadium? And so we did some like, you know, not machine learning, really like a more like MATLAB derived codes and uh, where will be this zone of low vanadium? Then we made some maps. I'm like, this is, this is something I'm, I to step up my game. What if this each zone is actually a zone of sea level rise? Mm-hmm. Then you look at the isopack. The isopack goes from a lot of area with like five foot to 10 foot lot of area the whole basin hmm. then there is it zones out to like uh, sorry some it's a small area of like 60 foot 
and then if there's a small area more than that is like say 25 foot and then there's a larger area which only goes to 5 to 10 foot so it's like an isopack which looks like a bowl right so now think about it if you have three segments and there are concretions between those segments mm -hmm. so maybe there is a one one depositional event with sea level one yeah it flooded to two it flooded to three and you're seeing that in thickness of first we saw it in thickness and then we saw that in the vanadium concentration but then we realized i mean i realized okay at the time we sampled a core to do some high resolution sulfur isotopes nitrogen isotopes to really understand the h2s story Ooh, right h2s, H2S right yeah. so but in the name of h2s <laughs> i had a different thing in my mind to understand the whole bakken in general like what is happening here and um, you know after the intern left she's a fantastic she's the third author in my paper okay and uh, we sat down and modified some of the models like mathematical models what we did before and uh, what was fascinating though like it was like you know okay so we have three sea levels if i really think about it and the three levels three sea levels can be tagged to the three isopacks but it will be a circular argument that the low vanadium zones are lower back in one and then we say lower back in one have low vanadium that's not right right so if we do like a machine learning wise like just say code where the low vanadium and we map it out the footprint and then we say low vanadium is equal to lower back in one and then we say lower back in one is low, low vanadium that's not right hmm. right that's when COVID happened. And COVID, if I have to thank to anyone, I have to thank to COVID, right? <laughs> nothing to do. Lockdown, maybe HEB, that was my goal. <laughs> and not like every day, like there was a little bit of window to go to HEB. So what to do? Like, uh, like, so I started to dig into these ideas. So trust me, 90 drill cores, I looked inch by inch, gamma ray, resistivity, uh, density if there is a concretion the density should be high hmm. so you know put tags okay one because the density changes then two there's another concretion look at the core photos then tagged into you know sedimentological description of this is one two and three and there's a potentially four which is like the siliciclastic flux coming in now the you know it is kind of sea level is done is getting getting more detrital so now we regroup it and say let's just see the statistically mean values of how does that one two three look like for vanadium and molly then it's statistically correct and we hmm. saw the exact same story but just had to like please my soul we cannot be doing wrong science because data science driven understanding we have to understand what is actually happening so then we had this, you know, one, two, three with different. So each each sea level, the metals are rising. Okay. Be that nickel, be that moly, be that vanadium. So you're having a basin deposition, and a vanadium story happening, and then another Same time. another one, another separate basin deposition story happening. It's, with, a, with a second sea level. Right, and right. it's it's more widespread the second time mm -hmm. because sea level is rising. Because mm -hmm. remember now, oops. 
How about sedimentation rate? Is it filling up faster? It's almost the same. In we calculated some of the sedimentation rates, and it's almost the same. We did the you know organic carbon you know accumulation rate like O car. Yeah, it's practically the same. So it was not, wow. and the TOC is not that different. So TOC is not that different. Hmm. Sedimentation rate is not that different. It's mm -hmm. a minute difference. It's not something to like, oh my God, like, you know, 10 centimeter versus one centimeter. No, like 12 versus 13 or 11 versus 12.5 is not a big deal. And remember, the whole thing is quite condensed already. Right? It's only more or less maximum 10 to 15 feet each segment. Right? Yeah. So it's not that thing. The, over, the whole bucket is like 60 foot. Wow. And the lower bucket three the, the last one is like you know 15 foot wow but here is this last magical piece a paper came out uh, from Hess uh, saying that noticing this low vanadium low moly in one two three and they also did a phenomenal work on the conodons mm. and they said like conodons uh, this probably based on the conodons and this is probably one, two, three, and one represents an annulata event, two represents a Dashberg event, and three represents an Hangenberg event. Now, Hangenberg is a mass extinction, major mass extinction. That's the Devonian Carboniferous boundary mass extinction. That's what we're talking. That's when I was like, this was the last missing puzzle. So we have the sea level story, nobody saw it. That's, but to put together the sea level story, with extinction and how metals are because sea level is rising remember sea level is the ultimate reservoir for dissolved metals for oxidative ocean but now if you create and now what we if you look at the maps you will see whenever the sea level is rising the basin boundaries are loaded with metals so onlapping creating sulfitic waters encroaching into the shallow seas creates a kill mechanism for all the organisms so you will see high extinctions around the coastal areas along with high metals. And to be honest, like one of the reviewers commented, I think it just, you know, sing in my ears and that probably saved us in a way. We had to fight, what, almost one and a half year in the review process. Right. Right. With, uh, with, you know, initially we put it in science and they rejected it because of biostatistics. Nobody believed it's a Hengenberg. So we had to, luckily we had like 10 conodon samples that we could prove it's an Hengenberg. Whatever, that was the biggest challenge, that the scientific portion of the review was not a challenge. The biostratigraphy and stratigraphy was the biggest challenge. And we had everything we could do, you know, uh, whatever. Because there, is no, because there is no age date from the basin. So how could you say, right? Yeah, I was wondering about that. There's no rainy osmium. No, there's no rainy osmium. There is no like real ash bed. Although I found an ash bed. Ooh. We are currently dating that. Is so that let's right? See. Argon, argon or whatever it is. Yes. What's, it's argon, yeah. argon? Yeah. Lead, yeah. lead or argon. I think it's argon, argon. Oh, yeah. In man. Vancouver. Yes. Yeah. Is that the ash bed coming in in the middle, the base, the upper? The upper. So, and it's on the yes. western coastline. So, remember at the time there was this antler orogeny subducting in. From the east. From the west. From the west. It was more open ocean. Antlers coming in from the west? Yeah. Okay. From at that time. Okay. And the east is the Canadian shield, uh, you know. Craton. Craton. Yes, exa exactly like that. You know, mm -hmm. exactly like that. So, uh, and it made sense. You know, uh, 
but let's just see i could be all wrong in the age but it, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because uh, that reviewer uh, I, i really thank her because what she wrote was phenomenal it's like it doesn't matter which time period it is because and also the you know on lapping of shallow water onto you know creating sulfidic environments for kill mechanism it's also not novel people have talked about it okay but what i wanted to do is really i was sick and tired of it including guilty as charged like myself we look into what one core or one outcrop and we say oh the cinnamon and tyrannian was this mm-hmm. the whole ocean you're right the whole globe the planet right. was suffering from this are you serious yeah it is not possible that's right right and you you take one of course like so i i had to say the example of covid well covid started in china it took almost 6 7 months to go to india it was never in country what it took a lot of time to cross the himalayas right no but it's like how every basin is different even during the same time period same conodonts are not found because it takes time to laterally migrate or laterally what's be a conodon again it's like a tooth you know of a you know of a particular animal at the time okay like a like don't means teeth right so right. It's a, it looks it's a like teeth. a tooth i remember it's, it's like a small little tooth jagged little deal jagged like yeah, yeah 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 like that yeah so um, but you know back to like this uh, idea of like lateral heterogeneity yeah the covid was not the same as uh, you know in china or in africa or india or us or canada it's not the same it took you know sometimes it took years to spread out in one country hmm. like two years like 2021 was deadlier in some countries and nothing happened in other countries just an example right so you cannot just say i take a sample of covid in uh nepal and that represents the style of covid the whole world the whole world right isn't that will be stupid right so why is it not stupid when we do the same thing in geology <laughs> right even well, forget is. the whole world at least look into one basin yeah the style and tempo of how the the basin has evolved in terms of redox environment over time mm-hmm. right so she wrote in phrase if i remember uh I think she wrote like the 4D reconstruction will be a benchmark for the next generation of paleo climate or paleo redox studies to follow. Nice. Right? And that to me was the message that I personally wanted to give. Now, this work absolutely, you know, maybe I had the idea, maybe I had this but my like i said my close friend he and i kind of mastered this he i could have done it without him he's a super you know talented uh, professor he he and i kind of worked together and you know other professors like uh, my friend jeff you know jeff giladilu you know he's a full prof- you know, professor but uh, other people who all contributed everybody contribution matters yeah right we need to acknowledge that for sure it's not like oh i'm Um, I cannot take that credit for because we are a team. We did very, very, you know, during COVID, we had time. We met every Tuesday morning to discuss about it. Nice, I love that. Right, and then yeah. we used to. I used to look into the, all the cores and and what you find, what, what I find. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And once I made the maps, it was all in my thought process. And I still remember Jeff said, "Like, are you sure this is something we are going to submit in Science or Nature?" I said for 
for one core, we have all the data and a really good story? No. But wait for when I finish the maps and the cross-section. And the maps is basically using petroleum systems models, you know, making the basin into a three-dimensional mm -hmm. way, how the basin will look like back in the time, mm -hmm. like, a, like a bowl, and how sea level is rising. Yep. And, you know, I gridded the maps with median values of each location and how each sea level is creating more and more and more metals. And on the onlapping areas are red and red, Man. right? But yeah. it's also, the, the, you know, we had one figure of a cross-section of moly and vanadium. Okay. To me, that's, it took me almost a year to just think how I'm going to make that figure. So one, it's like a panel, right? Like a cross-section from east to west, like 200-something yeah. kilometers. Yeah. More than that. But all this time, so that has like 17 locations. And total maybe 2,500 data points from shallow on the west to the deepest and then again to the shallowest. Wow. Right? That's the deep line of a basin. So see, if you take each line, it might tell you a different story. Right. But only, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because I shuffle through magazines and the papers to see how can I grade this. You know, I used even try to play with uh, leaf frog. Hmm. You know, leaf frog is a mining industry tool. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not really, you know, arc, infinity. And, um, but then I looked into this software, this, this figure from one magazine they, they use these nutrients from the ocean, from Atlantic Ocean, Indian Ocean. They have a vessel and they gridded those things into this software called ODV, Ocean Data View. Hmm. And I am like, bingo, right? And I asked my student, you know, she basically said, like, you figured this out, how to do it. <laughs> and she figured out how to do it. Yeah. It's like a, not rocket science. It's just like how you import the data and then what Visualize buttons to it. click. Sure. And then, you know, so everybody has a little bit of component to make it successful, right? It's a teamwork. And once I figured out, it was just magic. And I personally feel if, you know, if people see it, people will realize we need to change the game how we interpret paleoclimate and paleoredox, right? It is not very simple, yet if you really do, if you really understand how it has been, how the basin looks like, it's, it's very, very fascinating. So one section story cannot tell the global uh, right. picture. At least try to answer the basin picture, forget the global. So it's it's tough and it's really, and we are lucky to have data set. By the way, a lot of people have this idea that we have a data set, we hide data set. This is a public domain data set. Right. So you it's could have done deal. something, nobody's stopping you. Uh -huh. It was originally taken for petrophysical, fracking, all of that stuff. I just, uh, you know, with, with our group, we had just to, um, you know, change it to what we wanted to do and create yeah. something fascinating we are officially starting the drill down segment of the okay. pve podcast with swapping sahu swapping what is your name uh what's your name like uh what's it mean in in india dreams swapping means dreams mm -hmm. nice and how about sahu is that just a family name it's a family name yeah i see 
I, I have my phone out because I'm going to go to the post. Okay. The post that started it all. Okay. Swap in. Here we go. And go into your profile. And I'm going to say, I want to see activity. Show all. And You mean LinkedIn profile? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to read your LinkedIn profile later um, for this. But what I want to go to is the the post that you made which is this one get to comments yes it is so your linkedin post that uh tied this all together really got us hooked up here says i'm happy to share our latest research article on paleo ocean oceanography titled basin scale reconstruction of euxinia and late Devonian mass extinctions has been published with Springer Nature in Nature, hashtag nature, read and share. Uh, also see here is another link. It has been a journey and more importantly, doing it with close friends. Geoff, how do you say the last name? Gilad Dilu. Jay Kaufman, Kate Wilson, Bruce Hart, Tody Larson, Andrew Bowman, and Benjamin Davis Barnes. Importantly, this work would not have been successful without the support of hashtag Equinor. And I am thankful to the leadership that supported me throughout the journey. Thank you, Lisa Raboro. Raboro. Mm -hmm. Chris La uh, Leopard, Lisa Nealon, mm -hmm. and Freddie Kirby. I am deeply thankful to the research group and everyone else that was involved. Also, big thanks to Kiara Gomez and Richard Womack for graphics and ooh, Dipin Dipanita Nandi. Yeah. How do you say that? Dipanita. Dipanita mm -hmm. Nandi for several discussions on the Bakken formation. Thank you to everyone. And then uh, Tody Larson, got to bring him back in just for a second because that's what that's what got me. Really, I was liking everybody's comments, right? Really impressive swapping is what he says. You demonstrated a unique ability to use data originally collected for applied projects to better understand the evolution of life on Earth. Remarkable. And I said, let's go. And then you said, thank you, Tody. And then he says, you know what? You would be an ideal candidate for the PBE podcast. Thank you, Tody. I agree. I said, now that sounds like a great idea. And you said, I'll definitely take you up on this. And some of the other uh, conversations or uh, things that have, have been said about this, uh, Lorena Mescardelli, mm -hmm. right? Mascardelli, um, leader, uh, leader state of Texas Advanced Resources. And she says, oh boy, big research, guns out. Good one swapping. We got Derek Adams, congrats, my friend. You know, you, uh, you just scroll down and, and there's a lot of praise, a lot of congrats swapping. Um, this was... Fantastic work. Everyone reading this paper should question their use of paleo uh, redox proxies. You know, there's there's definitely something going. Here's Wahid from uh, from uh, Impact uh, Exploration mm -hmm. Right Services. They do uh, they have a lab in Houston. Right, They're, they can run all these types of samples. They can collect all this data. He says, congratulations. Uh, so happy to see the hard work uh, came out finally. Uh, amazing, proud. You know, anyway. You get a lot of praises for what you did. That's a big sure. deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored. Yeah. Well, it's it's because you're doing something, obviously, that's potentially changing the game. Or it's the standard or the foundation of how geoscientists 
can attack a paleo problem, right? Paleoceanography, paleo redox, how to start understanding this, what data sets you need, the philosophy you need to, to attack this problem and put it together. That's what I'm hearing from, from this story and from this publication. Tell us a little bit more about just kind of your main dropouts from, from publishing this. I mean, all those are good, you know, heartwarming, you know, comments and, uh, you know, makes me smile in the corner of a room, you know, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think there is a, you know, there is, a, there are a lot of hidden messages in there scientifically, but let just people figure it out. But, uh, Inspiration-wise, I have to say that it, there is a lot of inspiration for the next generation. Right. Right. And that is, has been a focus within, you know, within Equinor, and I've been trying to, you know, always encourage new generation. What I mean by that is there is a great amount of, you know, if you go to LinkedIn or last two, three years in digitalization, blah, 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 etc., you know, Spearman's coefficient, uh, Bayesian statistics. I tell myself I have a poor man's correlation. You know, I don't need to know a lot of statistics. Ask yourself, what's the critical question? Mm. Everything else will follow, right? If you don't know what you're asking for, you can, I can give you this 34,000 data points. This data, this data was with 17 companies probably for the last five years. What did they do with it? Who asked the right question? Yeah. So for the next generation, you know, to be honest, if you have good creative mind, data will come to you. But find, find a landing place where you will get support to do creative work. Yeah. That's more important. Like... Join a company who supports you, like have right. good leadership and right. be, you know, they give you room for creativity, right? Just, you know, people have a, after the last layoffs in 2020, you know, like during the COVID, you know, people were like, oh, I don't want to join the industry. It was so right. much layoff. I cannot take the stress. They are millennials. I right. get it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I get it. No, no joke. But, but it's not like that, right? If we... Industry, like I said, industry has been the driving force for changing the game. Yeah. Right? Be that uh, financially, be that by core, geophysics, you know, not, not to repeat any of this again. But there's a bias that we always just click on, on the computer and just click seismic lines and just create prospects. Of course not. I'm pretty sure it's not only Equinor. I mean, of course, you see these examples from Equinor. But many companies will support you if you have good ideas. Right. And by good ideas, sometimes always remember like present is a key to the past. If you can, if you hear something when you're an undergraduate, oh, if the sun shines, you know, my flower blooms, prove it. Don't just take it for granted. Yeah. Today, you have the luxury to get data, right? You mm. observe something fascinating. Great. If you, you have the luxury to do this, sometimes just go back and do simple science. Prove it. Mm -hmm. Like say carbonate. Carbonate diagenesis happens for this. Why don't you just go and do a little bit deep dive rather than just arguing about it? Mm -hmm. I mean, most of this high-profile paper sometimes actually goes back and answers the simple question. Right. Right? Yeah. That's why industry is in support of 
most of these things or they certainly industry does put a lot of money into academia because maybe industry doesn't know exactly what it wants. It doesn't know what maybe they're looking for, but that by funding a program that allows you to be a scientist and allows you to just kind of chase that down your curiosity, exhaust all options and ideas, come up with something. Now that industry professional or those sets of of companies that funded that, they can all look back and go, oh man, we we may have missed a big data point on all our assets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it could be a major discovery down the line. And you kind of hinted at this, uh, this kind of difference in approach or uh, I guess it would be a mentality, a a philosophy, academia versus industry, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Industry is business focused. It needs to make money. My mm-hmm. my 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 job is to make money here. Mm-hmm. Academia, uh, we are here to discover things and to understand them more detailed. Mm-hmm. With more than thirty five years of experience in the industry, Impact Exploration Services has you covered for all your mud logging, geo steering, and geoscience service needs. Impact Exploration Services covers every basin in the lower forty eight and can customize the services to your needs. Impact Exploration Services sets the professional standard and the next time you have problems to solve and questions to answer, think Impact Exploration Services. This episode is brought to you by Trunkline. You probably know Trunkline as the company that makes the legendary oil field horizontal drilling socks and it's true. Our drill baby drill socks featuring a heel to toe wellbore are 100% American made and are designed right in the heart of the oil and gas industry. But did you know that Trunkline is also a revolutionary digital marketing tool that can transform the way you advertise your oil field services? You can showcase your company's project track record on Trunkline and our automated platform will boost your exposure through social media, email marketing, SEO and more. Now, whenever one of your new customers asks you, can you show me an example of your work? You can simply turn them to your Trunkline portfolio. It's more effective than a brochure, it's less expensive than sponsoring a whole other golf course, and easier than maintaining your website. Join more than 200 service companies on Trunkline by signing up at register.trunkline.com today. Let's go. You know, that's fundamentally the difference, but what else are kind of like the, the big differences that you see between industry and academia? So some, you know, people say about it, like say, you know, industry doesn't have time. Right. right? Oh, I want this yesterday. You know, it's like a common joke. Like I want this yesterday. <laughs> but academia is like they, you know, people from industry joke with academia is like, uh, oh, you know, uh, pie in the sky or, uh, you know, uh, there is a apple ship, mother ship, whatever those things are, right? I am not familiar with those phrases. In short, they say like academia doesn't have the time pressure. And academia people thinks industry doesn't care about the details. I think it's an absolutely wrong conception. If industry doesn't pay attention to the details, they cannot do all of this enormous high-tech drilling and producing from eight kilometers down yeah. in subsurface. Let me ask, how high is the Mount Everest? It's eight point something kilometers, right? 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 34,000 something feet. Yeah. Okay. How much depth is our common paleogene prospects in Gulf of Mexico? Around that height. So can you climb one Mount Everest very easily? And how do you expect like without paying attention to details, we go down that deep precisely where the prospect is Mm -hmm. so easily. Mm -hmm. That means industry pays 
unbelievable amount of details, right? So let's not get confused here. At the same time, they may see research as academic. Right. I will not say Equinor does because we have a huge amount of you know research group in Norway and even in Houston. We spend a lot of money, like a lot of resources and money into research. And that is why, because we want to make sure that we always have a sustainable business. Right? I don't think academic people understand that. Because academic people think they have so much money. What do they care? Yeah. Why would they care about anything? And I can just do this. They will not care at all. No, everything, everything matters to everyone. Right? Everything has a value. Like if, if, we, if academic research doesn't advance, then how are we going to advance in you know, drilling hmm. or fracking or whatever? You know, I, I don't understand the onshore business that well, but I'm just saying it's very, it's almost like they, they're married to each other, but they are not. You know, they don't live together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're like two different worlds, but they're married to each other. One cannot survive with the other. I mean, it, it, I'm just saying in this uh, oil and gas related stuff. Yeah. But uh, what I try to do, at least try, is that take industry data and answer academic questions. Mm. Work with academia, use industry tools. We create magic. Who is stopping it to anybody else? Mm-hmm. Right? This should be an inspiration for the next generation in a way. Yeah. That just because you come to, you have a lot of thoughts. Because I was really criticized by my friends and stuff. Like, oh, you know, you are joining an oil industry. Oh, like, yeah. It's a loss. And uh, why would you do that? And you just want to make money. <laughs> yeah, you're it, greedy. Yeah, I'm greedy. And uh, well, I mean, it's very hard to maintain uh, because sometimes, you know, you are, you are reading a lot of stuff and this and that, probably not on your company time. So probably in the evenings and stuff. Sure. But if you have the passion and if you make a business case, yeah. because this was a business case in the beginning, that how could we address the H2S in the back end? Mm-hmm. It was a big problem. It's still a big problem. Right, H2S. And one project leads to other, one data may not be useful to somebody, but might answer something else. If you have that open mind, and if you cannot solve the problem, reach out. You know, reach out to other people. Who can? What's stopping it? Yeah. Most people don't, most people build walls. You're right. And if we build some bridges, so much good stuff is waiting to be told. Yeah. Yeah, I totally believe that. It's interesting that we're still talking about these kinds of concepts, though. You know, your yeah. parents, your grandparents, my parents, my grandparents, like... It's taken so long yeah. to get past this, you know, building walls is not yeah, a good it's, idea. It's, yeah. it, and and it's probably a little bit of ego, you know, for sure. Like I know yeah. it all and like like I said, in they, everybody thinks industry don't pay attention to details. No, right. they don't care. They just see numbers. No, it's not. To yeah. me it's not. It could yeah. be to somebody. It's fair. Yeah. Yeah. You to might, me it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You get down to well, I mean I could imagine, right, uh, larger companies having the ability to to maybe do that a little bit more than mid-sized companies that are supposed to be, you know, yeah. running really lean. Totally. Right. Uh, so it's just it's circumstantial, and that goes back to your point of of young professionals that are getting in positions. You know, are you in? Are you really 
in that chair eight, 10 hours a day grinding out work because the job needs it, the project needs it, you know, or, or is there some time there that you could be uh, putting towards research and putting towards ideas and, and testing concepts? Uh, I, I bet people would be a lot, uh, be pretty surprised if they actually calculated that out and how much, how much time they, they might have to bring up to everybody in the company if they have the guts to do it uh, and say, look, you know, I, I, something's going on with this dolomite here and here's the data on what's supporting my idea and then talk about that throughout the company and see what where that goes. I think you bring up a very, very fascinating point, courage. That's probably the most factor within an industry, right? And add to that, sometimes I have been extremely lucky the moment I joined Equinor. I had Freddie, my leader. Then I had, you know, some changes because Freddie, uh, you know, uh, retired and some changes. But then we had, I had vice president, senior vice president level leaders. Somebody told me in Equinor once, rather than finding a good job, find a good leader. Mm -hmm. Because job is like, okay, I do this for this. That's totally important. I'm not saying yeah. it's not important. It's very important. But a good leader supports what you just said. That I, I'm seeing this. I have some idea. Can I chase it? A good leader will give you that room to chase it. Mm -hmm. As long as you, you know, I mean, Freddie, I'm just calling her name. But Freddie told me once, I just realized that if I don't breathe behind your shoulder, you will do something good. Do you realize how inspiration that is? Mm -hmm. Because then that means you you realize that your line, your leaders trust you. Right. That you know your responsibility, you know your job, but you have something in your mind which you want to chase, go for it. Yeah. If it adds value to the company, people will listen to you. But if it's just your self-agenda, who cares? Mm -hmm. Right? So that's the challenge. If you... You could have n number of ideas. I have a whole n number of ideas. <laughs> but does that really make Equinor business uh, or in, uh, solving some critical right. business uh, decisions right. or uh, business values or value chain, whatever you want to call? No. It's probably my, oh, you know, I have a lot of rocks, say, from Protrozoic because that's I really love Protrozoic. Yeah. And uh, I want to really know what the eukaryotes and prokaryotes were doing in the Protrozoic. That has nothing to do with, you know, the industry. But if there was a reservoir and that carbonates are a fract reservoir, but still what eukaryotes and prokaryotes are doing has nothing to do with the industry. Yeah. But if, say, we are now in a different time period, I want to know the organic matter and how they were driving the you know, organic content, what kind of source potential can we have for the same time interval, maybe the next basin, that's important. So you need to ask yourself what I'm, how I'm going to add value to my right. company. Yeah. And of course, there will be always opportunity to have something side project, which you can, if you have so interested, take the time in the sure. evening or something you're on a weekend and build on it. Right. I don't think anybody is stopping you. No. Right? No. But, at a, but the first thing should be like, if this adds value to my company, I'm going to be courage enough and reach out to the right leaders yeah. to see if they support you. Yep. And I trust you. 
I'm, I mean, trust me, they will support you. The old old folks, I don't, it's fine. Whatever they do, I don't really. But I really, in a way, worried about the next generation. Because if new talent doesn't come to industry to work, there will be a, a loss of talent. Yeah. And uh, but they shouldn't run away because of the biases people hear. They should come because of the success stories that also happen. Right. So, yeah. you know, if you want to play with, you know, these days, in our days, I guess, you know, in our days, you know, when we were young, if you ask somebody, how many languages do you know? Like they will say like, oh, I know German, I know French, I know English, I know Hindi, whatever. Uh-huh. But if you ask an average kid, how many languages do you know? They will like, oh, I know Python, I know Java, I know like, <laughs> it's a whole different world, right? Yeah. So they have, they also have good ideas and they also have like crazy way to dif- look differently, see di- things differently. Right. We must be missing out something. We want to work with those creative minds who sees the world in a different way, right? Because yeah. if if we don't collaborate with, again, back to academia, back to new talent, and uh, I really want to like inspire. We are trying. We it's not that there is no. I I I'm not going to say this, but I I have a you know I have a interest and I have been pushing for this to create funds for next uh, students hmm. uh, and then bring, rather than, you know, you, you go and spend a lot of money in universities and recruit and then what? But if we actually fund some students for creative proposals and uh, fund them, bring them in, have a small little day to have fun and showcase their research. Yeah. That's real talent hunting, right? Hmm. They could yeah, be doing something. Idea. If everybody gets a few thousand dollars to, uh, like ten students get a few thousand dollars or five students gets five thousand dollars, it's not not much money to ask for, but it's a lot for five students to do oh, yeah. something creative, right? Small Can't imagine getting five thousand bucks when I was in undergrad. Exactly, or, yeah. right? <laughs> like, Think about it. You are a master's <laughs> or undergrad or a PhD, whatever. Doesn't Jeez, matter man. which which level you are in. Five thousand will be a nice amount of money to do something creative. Absolutely. Go to a conference, go to some, create some data, whatever. Yeah. You have some ideas, go chase it. Yeah. Pay for a software, whatever you need. Can you get closer to the mic? Just sure. Real quick? Yeah, yeah. Slide in. Yeah. Can the chair come in anymore? Oh, yeah, this yeah. is good? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm getting far away. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're getting further away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm getting more comfortable, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, well, so so let's go back to just wrapping up the drill down segment. So this paper was initially inspired by trying to understand the H2S issue of the Bakken. From the industry side, I had uh, I had this vision like from 2016 almost, like why and how the metals are rising, where traditionally we see metals should be declining. Mm-hmm. Why is it reversed than any other basin? It's not like an overturned structural basin, so sag basin. So why metals are rising as we go younger and younger? That doesn't make sense unless there's a sea level story here. Hmm. But that you know that pet peeve, you know, on whatever you want to say, like kind of carried on into uh, like when we see an opportunity to work with the Bakken on the H2S problem. That kind of added to solve the problem in a more holistic way. That okay, now we have some support from the asset, 
let's work with some universities okay. to get some more high-tech data to understand the H2S, but it will also give us confidence in that idea that I was chasing. Yeah. So you can, you know, want to say like that, but we address the H2S, the primary goal, but we get a we get some more data which might help to that story that I was building. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to wrap up that, a lot of people ask me, you might ask me, I don't know, you're not asking me yet, but I'm going to ask myself. <laughs> a lot of people ask me already, like, uh, you know, you know, it's an energy company you are in, you know, talking about, uh, you know, mass extinction. Yeah. Isn't that kind of weird? Like, and so... My answer to that is nothing is weird. I, I don't see that in the next 20 years, a, a plane to India, for example, take off with solar panels. But that day will come. But until to that day, we are inevitably dependent on hydrocarbons. Right. Now, yes, there's a dare need to be doing low carbon solutions. Mm-hmm. If anybody is smart enough, look at those figures that I have made in the paper. You could figure it out that where should we go in a basin where it is all black shells, but where should we go to have a sweeter oil? Mm -hmm. Where can we go to find uh, a better producing area Mm -hmm. to have a low carbon solution? Yeah, that's right. You have to, we have to produce because, you know, we are talking today, this power, energy, you know, heat, today is quite cold. Where is it all coming from? It's energy, right? So mm-hmm. we we cannot ignore that we don't we need. I mean, we cannot ignore the fact that we need energy. Right. We need it. We absolutely need it, right? But how, where is it coming from? Nobody cares. So, but we could do it better way. Mm-hmm. And if you think about from mining perspective, everybody is chasing for the buzzwords like battery minerals. Yeah. So are we? But uh, but. Think about it. Like if you have a predictive model for where will be my higher metals in a sedimentary basin, do you still need to blow up the whole basin (laughs) and just, you know, some people die, don't care? Right. No, you could be a predictive strategic way. That's right. So, you know, it's, it's really, there are hidden messages to have a safe, very important, safe and sustainable future for mineral or, you know, hydrocarbon exploration yeah yeah i mean from my perspective i feel like the tides are kind of turning uh that the these cobalt mines people are talking about these you know children that are basically enslaved to these cobalt mines like what's actually in this technology to maybe have a more efficient way to have energy is coming from you know a pretty intense and and uh not very sustainable Mm -hmm. uh practice yeah where what I think you're saying and what I certainly hear and what I believe in is that it, the energy transition is not, um, you know, using a howitzer to take out a, a, a group of gnat flies. You know, it's it, there's a much more efficient way mm-hmm. to just get the energy that we have, yeah. find it. Yeah. And then there's breakthroughs happening at the same time with yeah. storing energy. Yeah. So if we can store it better, we can transfer it better. And we find it easier. Mm-hmm. That's a truly sustainable mm-hmm. future. Yeah, because um, there's been a lot of waste uh, up to this point. It is right because a lot of waste is also because people don't know where to go and look for it. 
So is in the, remember somebody told me that um, oh you're producing uh, electricity, but uh, so, but you are using you're burning CO two to so like you are spending electricity to create more electricity. So how is this really helping? Mm-hmm. Right. So like you said, it's like a lot of wastage here and there. But if we do a more strategic way, like, okay, you have to mine some minerals, go for it. I get it. But if you have a plan, if you have a scientific uh, a scientific way of like tackling that problem, so you're pred- so think about like 100 years ago. Like I said, you're poking holes in Texas. Right. Wherever you find it, great. If you don't, yeah. One Derek to the next, yeah. just in all directions. And there will be, a, you know, the movie, There Will Be Blood, yeah. right? But today, we have prospect evaluation. We have risking. We do all of this understanding. It has not happened overnight. It took 50 years, probably the last 50 years, for people to, to put enormous amount yeah. of energy into being, you know, main focus was how could I safely do things. Right. Right. So that takes time and that takes knowledge and it's it's one step at a time perhaps this contribution this paper is one that step of a time that tells people you don't need to blow up a whole field you can Mm -hmm. be strategic be predictive Mm -hmm. use some rational that where can i go and find more metals Mm -hmm. where can i go and find more low metals to produce a sweeter oil so i don't have to flare it i don't have to like burn a lot of like sulfur and carbon yeah to produce it so i actually even save money because if you have a sweeter oil it's almost three dollars something per barrel for a 30 dollar oil sometimes that's 10 percent. for a 50 dollar oil that's still like six percent yeah six percent money is a lot of money for oil industry isn't mm-hmm. you know so just this, this is there's a business value too yeah but you know, holistically, this is addressing to a bigger climatic problem, but using data, but not like machine learning or anything, but use data in a very simple way to address a bigger problem. Yeah. I mean, this is really the completion part of the show that we're getting into. Like okay. the, the drill down was obviously your paper, the publication, the, the accomplishments, that you made and and your main dropouts. But what that's led to, I think, is this kind of minor epiphany outside of your accomplishments in this paper and this idea that we have so much more to, to, to right, to focus in on. And we need human power. We need brain power. We need new ideas. We have a lot of data. Um, that's, that's really what I'm getting. Yeah. And, uh, new fresh blood, you know, like blood means like new new generations to really get motivated. Yeah. And I think that will be the biggest success for the industry, academia, energy transition. So coming from India and, and your background and now looking uh, at, at India and, and America, just those two, academia-wise, you know, young generation-wise, are you seeing any differences uh, between the countries and and like where they're actually focusing their their most talented uh, academic you know minded like students are do you see any differences there or how do you how do you see like great question right because I work with some Indian students as well try to motivate them sometimes pay from my bonus money to help their research wow. I do 
because uh, you know awesome. everybody needs a hand to be held yeah i have been held during my toughest times yep so i need to pass on that to somebody absolutely. else absolutely right because i didn't grow up alone That's you know right. you didn't you know even a tree takes you know a lot of energy from sideways and left and right so nobody has done everything alone so you need to give back mm. right and i try my best to give back and so there is there is a this is a fantastic question to be honest and there is no yes or no or right or wrong answer i have seen students in us this is they get every opportunity but it's still like absolutely useless right they don't have the drive yeah but there are people in india they have a lot of drive but they have no direction mm-hmm. but not everybody some people in india they just look for as far as i can go to like abroad i'm fine and mm. then do what right so their whole agenda is different but again remember these the generation that are students today they are millennials mostly and they they have been given everything in their life in a way mm. we haven't so we mm-hmm. had to fight for it but to deal with them to tell them that you know sometimes i tell them that uh, like somebody told me like what so what now what Hmm. right so they're like oh i'm just doing this uh, cool study on this i'm like okay so, so what, what? <laughs> right like, no yeah okay now what right what are you going to do next yeah what does it mean even how how who benefits from this study yeah how does this even make a difference in somebody research wise forget somebody's life but in research wise how does it make a difference if you don't think that way it really is meaningless right then hmm. you are just writing something which you feel like yeah it's cool that's fine but when you're a student be a little bit challenge yourself yeah. right take some take some you know a, a challenge to your daily thing so i've seen students in india they are like absolutely brilliant if they got a little bit of push from somebody who who can lift them a little bit they can do amazing things wow right and i want to help them i want to work with them but i have also seen from the same university same department same advisor they are like yeah i have 30 samples do i need more hmm. the question is not that you have 30 samples you can you can answer a problem with three samples one sample for that matter right as long as you you can rationally prove what you are trying to say you can have 300 samples and do nothing you know you can have 30000 samples 3 million data still say nothing there's no clue but if you have mm-hmm. a solid idea all you need is like one sample mm-hmm. somebody told me once that uh, we were fighting fighting means means like we were like probably i don't know what we were doing we were like hey you know we need two data points to draw a straight line and my other friend said like what are you talking about we need three data points to do a solid straight line right <laughs> and the third guy said like uh, what are you guys talking about we need like one data point to draw a straight line and we are like what <laughs> right what how do you draw a straight line from a one one data point it's like you can draw whichever directions you want to yeah <laughs> but it's not i'm like yeah but you know you're like like your your brain you have like a brain freeze right <laughs> what are you talking about and he told me that say imagine you have a sample from mars one sample the next time might not be in your lifetime but if you could rationally prove what you are trying to say from that one sample you have a story hmm that's it and that 
to be honest, it's really important for the next generation to realize. Now everybody wants like, oh, I don't have data. Industry hides data in academia. So, dude, get a good idea. Mm-hmm. Data will come to you. Mm-hmm. In this in this 2023, data will come to ah. you. Post on LinkedIn. Does anybody has any public domain <laughs> yeah. data on blah, blah, blah? Oh, you get blown up. You look blown up, right? <laughs> People will work with you, have a good idea. Yeah. So it, it's the idea that matters. Yeah. Right? Right on. So I think the real answer is drive. Whoever has the drive, be that in Africa, US, Canada, India, China, doesn't matter. Whoever has a drive, let's help each other. Nice. Because those will be the you know golden nuggets for the next generation. Wow. I want to add one thing though. Let's hear it. It's like uh, you know, I'm an international, international, and um, I mean, sadly, not every international student who comes from all over the world. I'm not talking about only U.S. People yeah. go to all over the world, from this wall to that wall. You know, like people go different countries to study. I don't think people understand what they go through. You know, they, the struggle, the, the things and, you know, like change, culture, language. You know, yeah. some people came here without even knowing English and they learned and they are, I know somebody who is a great, you know, geologist and, you know, like work in an industry, was probably never spoken English in until 25 years old. But, right, so they there are people, so many people and we... Everybody suck up to many of these bureaucracies of academia, industry, abuse. I'm not talking about like, forget harassment, but I'm saying sometimes harassment. And people have done that to me as well, right? And I'm not going to say any names or anything, but it takes a lot of courage for every, every, I'm not saying, you know, almost every, some more than the others, every international students to you know, overcome those fears of like, I need to survive, I cannot go back, I will be like, I lose my status, etc, etc, funding, health insurance, you know, if I get sick, I don't have health insurance. Think about all of those, uh, you know, taken for granted in Western culture, but all these students, be that chemistry, physics, geology, doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. Every student have a story. Right? Everybody has a story and yeah. they are not told. Yeah. And maybe someday those need to be heard. And that will change also the perception how the whole world functions. Wow. Okay. And wow. hopefully that day comes one day. I'm up for that. Yeah. I'm up so for that. I, I love listening to the stories. I mean, your, your story was super inspi- inspirational and eye-opening, you know, just the, how you grew up and how school was and how different that was or must have been but i can see how valuable that also was probably to do it that way like if i had the if i was in those shoes i can go back and change the way that i was raised and i got to go home every night with my mom and dad got to go home every day you know right (laughs) yeah how different that would have been and how much more appreciative i think it would have made me at a younger age uh, to understand and this maturity of you know how you get through life when you get old when you actually get older and it's not that far away you were only 10 but by the time i was 18 i was out of my own yeah so let's just go i just want to work i just want to go i'm out of the house i want to go and i wasn't prepared for that i was home every night with my mom and dad 
you know, all the way until I was 18, until I decided, okay, now I'm just going to go. Yeah. Uh, so I could see the benefits, I could see the challenges, I can see the differences. And I think you sharing that story and many, many others, hopefully uh, having the opportunity to share their stories, I think bridges the gap mm-hmm. as the show did with academia and industry. But it also, I think, bridges a human gap, like a human yes, humanitarian very important. Yeah. gap. Very important. And this appreciation for each other and the appreciation for our struggles and how we are here to help each other and how we're yeah. we're here to work together and yeah, make a sustainable future. Very inspirational, my friend. Thank you. I'm glad I'm here. And thanks for inviting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here.